are up. It's draft Wednesday. It's an exciting, despite the Hornets losing, it is an exciting show because it's draft Wednesday. I'm joined by Nick and David, and Nick and I will draft it up. Hopefully you'll join us. Follow me on draft at LOH Doug on the draft app, and you can play along with us at 810. So join up. Draft.com, sign up. Use our promo code LOHornets. Double M15 is already in the chat. What up, Nest? What's going on? Tough loss last night. I would I wouldn't know. <laughs> just sip your just we'll, sip your coffee there. What we'll coffee? get to that. I got guys, I got a I got a win for you. Let me tell you a story. Can I tell you a quick story from my weekend? That's what the pre-show's for. So uh wedding in the mountains this weekend, Black Mountain, gorgeous, not quite cold enough, but the leaves were turning. And um I forgot my my blazer, my, my trusty navy blazer. I had a wedding to go to Saturday. So after a huge breakfast of biscuits and cinnamon buns, we're walking down the street and come upon uh, the Kiwanis Club thrift shop. Oh, They are known for their blue blazers. No blue blazers, but plenty of sport coats on the rack. Found one, size 40, regular. A little bit small for me, a little bit snug after that biscuit. <laughs> But I picked that thing up. Guess how much it was? Just guess. Twenty bucks. Seven hundred dollars. It's a, it's, it's a th- three goats. It's a thrift shop. It's a thrift shop. Five dollars. Three dollars and twenty-one cents. Oh man! Mm-hmm. For a whole sport coat. An entire sport coat. Although did you did you have did you find anything inside? Did you find anything? Did somebody leave something behind? That's always fun. I, I, I look for like death certificates or, or something, <laughs> but no, uh, they had an extra button. This uh, is a cool. deal to die for. Should have done that for my wedding. Just go to the thrift shop and each, everyone orders their own suit. You should have nice. watched. You should have watched the game instead of going to a concert. That's what you should have done, Nick. What concert did you go to? It was. Uh, they're called the Warren Treaty. Um, my wife saw them like years ago when they were doing open mic night in Baltimore and she raved about them and happened to be in Durham tonight or last night so you going? well he went oh, no, no, he went uh, last night so I didn't they're killer though like they're they're kind of um, I guess it's like folksy kind of but like they're just they kill it like they have so much energy and like it's, it's I'd recommend it just give them a, give them a listen I think they have they have music you can listen to. So <laughs> we need some energy. That's the great that's a great Nick Denning music review. All right, let's start the show. <laughs> you are locked on Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets. Welcome in your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, and fantasy sports. You can watch us live on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Locked On Hornets. Join the live chat. We got Double M15 saying, what up, Nest? Can we draft some defense? David in the chat as well saying, what up, Ness? Suffering from a hangover from that fourth quarter against the New York Net, the New York Knicks, and Jack in from Scotland saying, "Nest, 
I mean, you know what? The, the live chat helps. So these shows after a loss used to really be kind of a downer, but having these guys in the live chat, really appreciate you coming in. So join us live, youtube.com forward slash Lockdown Hornets. We are coming to you from the Gettimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful Uptown Charlotte. And this episode is brought to you by our friends at Draft. It is like Daily Fantasy, but different. You get to draft players. You get to keep those players. You can play for cold, hard cash. Sign up now at draft.com and use our promo code LOHORNETS to get a special offer, a free game. Check it out and download the Draft app and then follow me at LOHDUG, LOHDUG, and you can play along with us. We're going to do a live draft coming up a little later in the show. All right, welcome into the panel. We've got uh, from the capital city, Nick Denning. Nick was just giving us uh, his uh, fantastic music review. Well, they they play music. They have music. You can listen to their music. Oh, like yeah, Rolling Stone my, magazine. My, my my college teacher that that where I literally learned to write reviews. She'd be so proud of me right now. After that, so yeah. And uh, we've got from the mean streets of Cotswold one, David S. Walker. They don't call him the Lester Bangs of Raleigh for nothing, guys. He's out there. (laughs) Music. True music. All right, let's get into this. The Hornets lose to the Knicks in New York, 118-113. Hornets came out of the game on fire offensively, 41 points in the first, a season high for any quarter Hornets absolutely could not miss from the three-point line, and they got help from their bench as well. Malik Monk had 18 points in the first half, but as electric as they were offensively, they could never quite pull away from the Knicks. They go into the fourth quarter with an 11-point lead. Knicks get big contributions from bench players Kyle O'Quinn and Doug McDermott, and of course, clutch buckets from the unicorn Kristaps Porzingis in the fourth quarter. Knicks outscore Charlotte 35-19 to in the final frame and take home the W, the third straight loss for the Charlotte Hornets, all on this road trip. David, why did this game slip away from the Charlotte Hornets? Defense. I mean, they got a lo- real sloppy on defense, could not get any stops. I mean, it was really that uh, fourth quarter there where the bench for the Knicks. I mean, it was guys like um, O'Quinn, McDermott, freaking Lance Thomas stepping out and hitting threes. So um, those guys came in and really kept the Knicks in it, brought them back in for Porzingis to come in and win the game for them. And when the Hornets had to, you know, their offense – ground down to a halt again, uh, launched a lot of threes late. Some of them were fine. I mean, some of them were wide open shots and they just weren't going in the way they were to start the game. But, you know, they got out toughed big time by O'Quinn um, in that game. And then the, the Knicks bench just simply outplayed them. I think they got 45 points from their bench players. And uh, Charlotte just got really a contribution from Malik Monk, who had a great first half, but again, went cold late in the game. So, uh, that was a tough one to lose because you're staring zero and four on this road trip in the face, and um, and you had that one. You you really did, Nick. I know you had to to look at the box score and some highlights on this one, but but I mean, what what kind of opportunity slipped away from the Hornets by losing this one in New York? Just the opportunity to gain some confidence back. I mean, anytime you go into the fourth quarter with an eleven point lead, you think to yourself, okay, like we they they just got to play half a quarter of good basketball maybe stretch this lead to 15 or 16. And it's probably theirs at this point. Um, 
Plus, we talked, you know, we were this is kind of a, a throwback to last season. This is a team that blew some fourth quarter leads. You know, I'm sure they wanted to distance themselves from that kind of reputation. Um, so doing that again, you know, I got it. I got texts last night from from friends who watched and they said it was just the, the same thing. Wash, rinse, repeat. And, um, you know, that you can't help but agree with them. Yeah, and they started to shake off that reputation at home, but then they get out on the road, they get tested on the road, they needed to test that defense. Defense wins on the road. And, and it was it was apparent last night in New York because, first of all, their defense let them down in the fourth quarter, but that crowd was able to stay in it. A raucous crowd in Madison Square Garden, hyped up by the fact that they've got Christoph Porzingis, who is bringing the grit back to this New York Knicks basketball team. And they were behind the Knicks that entire fourth quarter, energized them, and that's why you need defense. You need to stop the, the, the home crowd from being a, an advantage. Here's my big turning point in this one. The Knicks pulled it to what so they go into the fourth quarter with a, an 11 point lead and then the Knicks pulled it to 104 100 Hornets respond with a quick five points 109 to 100 is the score with 530 left that should have been it that should have been enough this team has been good enough defensively before that Minnesota game to lock in and, and keep that lead and and instead uh, they, they allow three-pointers from guys like Doug McDermott. Uh, there was a, a pretty egregious breakdown by Jeremy Lamb on an inbounds play, not getting back to Doug McDermott, staying too far deep into the lane. Just mistakes like that that cost them in the fourth quarter. Uh, it, it was just, to me, I mean, this game was was tragic because now you face Boston next on Friday and then Cleveland coming up November 15th. They'll have four days in between those two games but, I mean, this was an opportunity to get things back on track, and and they lost it simply. And I think there were some good moments, Doug. I mean, they did play good. They did play well enough on defense at times. I mean, they got some deflections. They got some turnovers that led to easy buckets, which is something we didn't see uh, the game before in Minnesota. You know, that's a strength of this team. That's how they get their easy offenses through turnovers. So they had stretches. But, I mean, down the the end of the game, you mentioned it, they, they just could not come up with significant stops. O'Quinn was just playing bully ball with By Zeller. the way, by the way, I just want to point out that during the pregame, the preview in the last episode, everyone was making fun of me for pointing out the Kyle O'Quinn versus Cody Zeller matchup. And that ended up being one of the key matchups in this game, so... There. It was O'Quinn versus everyone. I mean, they had no one on that second unit that could put a body on him or keep him off the boards. And that proved to be a turning point in the game. You, Doug, was that um, turning point you mentioned? It was interesting because they tried to get Porzingis in. I think the Hornets were up five, and there was like a weird delay. There was like a – I think O'Quinn launched a ball over the shot clock or something, and it caused like a, a dead ball situation, but Porzingis couldn't come in. Yeah, he tried to allow- offensive rebound it and popped it up over the – yeah, it allowed the Hornets to uh, to go, to score five more points. And so when he came in, the Hornets were up nine uh, when Porzingis came back in that game. And from that point on, as it, as it does so often, like it comes down to the guy who is the best player on the floor, and he is ridiculous right now. Uh, they had Howard out there guarding him on the pick and rolls a lot, and he drilled a couple of big threes and then finally took Monk to the basket on a play that was – the Hornets were a bit discombobulated – you know, I saw some folks calling out Monk for not having proper defensive position on that. 
that's a tough cover for Monk to, to stay in front of Porzingis and, and stop him from getting to the lane. Yeah, we can take a look at that play here before we before Nick and I draft it up. If I can get it pulled up here. I mean, here's the thing, Nick. I don't know if you saw this. They 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 strung that whole possession out. I mean, Porzingis really had no other choice except to drive to the basket. It, it looked like uh, Ewing dri- driving to the lane in that uh, playoff game where he finger rolled and it just popped out. But you know, yeah. So there, so there it is. Eight, Eighteen seconds left, and Hardaway. Uh, th- you had Marvin on Porzingis. That's important on this one because the Knicks decided to go small. And uh, the Hornets had to respond with something. They they went with Lance Thomas in the fourth at the four instead of Enos Cantor, and, and that had the the Hornets adjusting. Putting uh, they they had Dwight Howard on Porzingis for a while, and then on that final defensive possession of the game, they decided to go with Marvin Williams on Porzingis and go and go super small. And Marvin shaded over to to stop the the drive by. Uh, Tim Hardaway or yeah, Tim Hardaway Jr. and instead of switching, or I guess Monk was late on that switch and then had to over pursue. And you had Kimba trying to fly to Porzingis to prevent the three, and then like Porzingis it. just too good. I mean, he's just too good. Yeah. You, if you're Monk, even if you had stayed in front of him, you were going to struggle and and got behind on the play. And Porzingis uh, drills that uh, backbreaker on the Hornets. Just a, a really a really tough. Really tough uh, matchup for the Hornets late in that fourth quarter because they went small and decided to switch everything on defense, which really hurt the Hornets' ability to get good shots. Yet still, I thought their offense did the same thing that they did in that first matchup against Milwaukee. You had Jeremy Lamb waving everyone off, taking an ISO three-pointer late in the game. That That missed long and let the Knicks do what the Knicks do, which is get into transition, make you scramble your defense, and, and they got an open look for one of their three-point shooters. And those, those are the kind of things you can't do late in the game. You have to keep the ball moving despite what the defense throws at you. So just disappointing. Disappointing offensive execution once again uh, from the Charlotte Hornets. Hey, fantasy fantasy basketball fans, got to talk about Draft.com. Listen up. If you love fantasy basketball, then you need to try our new favorite app. It's called Draft. It's daily fantasy basketball, but not like the other guys. On Draft, you play real live snake drafts with other people, just like in your season-long league. Here's how it works. It's a draft that lasts for just one night, and there's no management. Just set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire draft. Even takes care of last-minute injuries for you. You can swap out players. Very, very cool. Drafts start every couple of minutes, so you can join one right now. And the best part, you can play for cold, hard cash. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. And we're going to start a... Live draft here in about 15 seconds with myself and Nick. Uh, Nick's, what are you, 2-0 and o now? Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I, I know so, don't, don't be so humble, Nick. That's quite an achievement. Oh, I know. You know. <laughs> well, I keep picking I keep picking players that are playing against the Hornets, and they keep underperforming against the Hornets. Oh, so I have okay. a little bit of a okay. jinx going on right now. You're such a hater, Doug. And it oh, looks like it's – All right, it's my pick for – no, it's my pick first. Or no, your pick first. Oh yeah, that's right. Finally giving me an advantage here. I'm gonna go K I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go down the line here and get KD. This makes sense for me. I'm gonna go Curry then. One of us is gonna do well. 
against, against that Minnesota defense, I mean, they're going right. to have they're probably going to have seventy or eighty points in that one. Um, all right, so the way this works is you you draft two guards, you draft two forwards, and you draft a center. So and it's a snake draft, so Nick gets to draft twice, and he's going with Porzingis. That's it's probably a smart move, even on a back to back. I mean, that guy is <laughs> he's he's just. He's just hot right now. It's All right, so, so you get to draft a center. So I'm going to go with Andre Drummond here because centers are valuable in, in, in this situation because you only have one of them and there aren't many to choose from. And, okay, see, I get to pick again. So who do I have now? All right, I've got KD and I've got Drummond. I need another forward. Do I go defense here, Draymond Green, or do I go Carl Anthony Towns? See, I'm a little worried about Carl Anthony getting shut down. You know what? I'm going to go Kyrie Irving. Boston versus the Lakers. Not, I don't trust that Lakers D right now. I'm going Kyrie Irving. He is. Ne- he has not let me down in draft yet. He has been absolutely electric. I'm going to go Whiteside against Phoenix. Anybody against Phoenix? I'm telling yeah, you, it, it's really, it's really the draft strategy uh, you have to have right now. And and I'm actually going to take Booker against Damn Miami. It. Sorry, Booker's buddy. my guy, dude. Booker has been <laughs> killing it for me here on draft. Okay, now, okay, now I think I'm I'm cool with taking Towns at this point. And Double M15 suggests I go ahead and take Towns against Golden State, but it just worries me because he's got to he's got to go up against who do I got left in shooting guards? Jimmy Butler, Goran Dragic. Jimmy Butler hasn't been scoring much. That's the problem. You know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna just make the safe pick and go Carl Anthony Towns here. And then you have what you have two more picks left. No, I have yeah. one. No, I have one more. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna stay. I'm, I'm gonna stay away from. I'm gonna stay away from Jimmy Butler. And I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Dragic against Phoenix. Anybody against Phoenix? The reason I'm staying away from Butler right now is because he's really interesting. He's like their fifth option on offense. It's strange. I mean, he's he's gone to uh, reunite with his coach Tibbs in Minnesota and has decided to completely sort of abdicate his role offensively in order to just play defense, rebound, and and do whatever Minnesota needs. And, and boy, do they need defense. So Jimmy Butler, one of the consistent defensive threats for Minnesota. So anyway, uh, draft.com, sign up, play, use our promo code LOHORNETS. There's no salary caps. You play in a real-life snake draft just like you play with your friends in a season-long league. Come and join us on Draft today. You can follow me at LOH Doug, and then you'll have a chance to play with us in listener leagues uh, coming up soon. And uh, again, that promo code LO Hornets when you sign up on draft.com today. All right, let's get back to this uh, New York Knicks recap. I just think it's strange. What's happened to the Hornets on defense on the road? They're allowing over 110 points per game. Even that's the thing about this, this game that you have to understand that. Even if they had made a few offensive plays in that fourth quarter, if Malik Monk had hit either of those three-pointers that he had wide open in the corner, had Kimba come off that that great Dwight Howard screen and knock down uh, his three-pointer that was, was open by Kimba standards, had they made any of those plays and managed to win the game, I think if you're Steve Clifford or if you're anyone that watches this team closely – you're not excited about that victory because they're still not they're still not addressing the issues that they had against Minnesota defensively, and they they did respond nicely in the third quarter, holding 
the Knicks to 25 points, but then in the third, allowing 35 points. I mean, at some point, they've got to buckle down defensively, and and it's not going to be easy against Boston on Friday. And allowed 32 in the first quarter. You know, that was overshadowed because they were able to score 41, which was great. But I don't know about you, Doug, but I was thinking the whole time, this is this a little bit of fool's gold? I mean, they've been pretty good on offense, and they were good on offense in this game. But, man, they weren't going to keep hitting with the regularity that they were early on in that game. I think they were like six of eight uh, to start the game from threes. And so, you know, you just were nervous that that could not continue. And it's it's frustrating to watch. And I, they, they would have been happy with the win. <laughs> but I think you're right. Clifford has got to be seething with the points they're giving up, especially on the road. I don't know. I don't know how you solve that, Nick. To, to, Doug, to Doug McDermott. That's that's I mean Doug. Listen, all respect to Doug McDermott. He's been playing well. Uh, Dude, you know the, at the least Doug McDermott is a shooter. Lance Thomas was drilling him. I mean, well, he, he was but, but that's the guy. I mean, that's the guy you got to leave open. I mean, if you're going to leave anyone open, then everyone they they deal with 60%, that. They shot sixty percent for the deal game, with that three. That, you're not gonna win many games. Yeah, but Doug McDermott's offense in the second half helped lift the neck the Knicks out of their deficit. Trevion Graham, normally someone that can be counted on for mistake free defense could not deal with McDermott's quick off-ball movement. And then, as I said, Jeremy Lamb making one of the the most egregious defensive errors of the game uh, on that McDermott inbounds. And that was the one where uh, Christos Porzingis, let's talk about this for a second, was dying to draw a foul on Dwight Howard. I mean, he was... What was that? He what was, was going on? And, and, and then when he finally... So he doesn't on that inbounds play. He falls to the ground. Dwight barely touched him. And then... Uh, the, the next play, he did draw an offensive foul against against Dwight Howard and gave him the old the old winky dink, like gotcha, yeah. like uh, yeah. you know maybe you know maybe let's not play gotcha. How about you just how about you just play the game, kid? That's all I'm saying. You're a star. You're you're scoring forty points. You're hitting clutch buckets. All all good, but to just play the we're, game. We're assuming we're assuming that the two of them hadn't been saying anything at all to each other during the game, which is probably not the case. I'm sure that. Dwight said something or he said something and so it was you know it was bizarre though Nick it was like literally six times in a row I mean Dwight was leaning on Porzingis but Porzingis was flying across the lane like falling down six times in a row (laughs) remember when flopping was a point of emphasis that's that's no longer the case um the refs you know didn't stop it or didn't talk to him or anything didn't really stop the flow of play but it was just a weird couple of series where Porzingis was begging for a foul he finally got it I mean you knew it was coming um but I thought Marvin did okay on uh Porzingis I thought for the most part they did all right on Porzingis Doug I mean he got his 28 he didn't get his 30 um and he hit big shots down the stretch but for most of the game I mean it was the bench that brought him back um they tried to do what they could to him he's just yeah, uh, playing on another level right now, and it's 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 hard for anyone to stop him. And it wasn't all defense to blame in this one as well. Up 109-103 after that Lance Thomas three. Lamb decides to go ISO. He waved everyone off, pulled up from deep. That missed, uh, and that was a bad shot. Plus, you had Malik Monk missing two open jumpers in the corner. Kimba missed a few as well. Uh, the Hornets had opportunities to knock down shots and turn the momentum around. And uh, Monk and Kemba combined for three of 12 from the field, one of eight for nine points in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's winning time. I mean, that's the time that you expect both of those players. I I would like Nick's thoughts on 
giving the ball to Malik Monk on that final possession and asking him to go make a play as opposed to Kemba? I mean, you know, looking at, I, I saw the open looks that he got in the fourth. I have no problem with those. You know, they, they just didn't fall. And um, considering the confidence that he plays with, you know, rookie or not, you know, given that his skill set is to shoot the ball and make shots, you know, from the three point line, um, again, no problem with that. You know, it's, it's certainly better than, than a Jeremy Lamb ISO shot, you know, or some of the other decisions they made. Um, I mean, we can talk about like defense is, is defense lost in this game and, and, you know, over the stretch of the entire game. Um, but again, this is, this could just have been, this, this would have been a win if just one or two of those shots had gone down. Yeah. But my thing is for Monk, those shots have to go down because, because they were downsized and dealing they had to deal with the fact that Monk was on the floor defensively in the fourth quarter. They had right. to, they had to, con- the Hornets had to constantly adjust and make up for the fact that Monk was on the floor defensively in that fourth quarter. And Monk and Bacon both uh, displaying some rookie mistakes on defense. It, it, it just goes to show you uh, what they're missing in both uh, MKG and Batum, who yeah. in the fourth quarter of games. Uh, tends to ratchet up the defense when necessary and and is smart enough uh, to not bite on pump fakes and, and things that get that get teams easy buckets, uh, yeah. missing both Batum and MKG on the wings. And he just gives you length. I mean, both of those guys give you so much more length than even, even Bacon does. And I wanted to talk real quick about Bacon, Doug, because his minutes were significantly reduced, or at least – when you compare it to Michael Carter-Williams, who got about 20 minutes last night, Bacon was only in there for about 18. So not a huge difference. Didn't score any points last night. Had a couple of egregious mistakes that I know Steve Clifford took particular issue with. Oh, it, um, sent, him into a, it sent him into a rage, and the cameras were on. It was – it was. I mean, I've, I've rarely seen St- Steve Clifford – uh, live like game situation rip into a player like that. Oh my God. He looked like I had my, uh, my, my four-year-old was up with me parenting note for everyone, 10 o'clock. Uh, it's too late for them to be up, but he was doing a running commentary during the last two minutes and I almost lost my mind. So I, I was going through what Steve Clifford was, was going through trying to talk to Dwayne Bacon, but I thought Carter Williams played pretty well, Doug. Actually, he got a couple of uh, deflections on defense. You know, I thought he was a bit of a calming force, running the offense with that second unit. I mean, you saw maybe a snapshot of things to come, what it can be. Everything wasn't perfect, but what do you think about him maybe eating into some of Bacon's minutes, that trade-off there? No, I think I think it's very much a possibility because uh, I think Bacon is, is trying very hard on defense, but it's just – it's something that he's learning. It's something that wasn't a focus for him in college, and and they're definitely going to need length and defensive awareness, and, and that advantage uh, goes to uh, not only Carter Williams but several other players. You know, in terms of wing, once they get this wing depth back. Well, and I thought he distributed pretty well too. I mean, from what I saw, he made a couple drives. Had a oh nice yeah, three assists, right three now. steals. I mean, yeah. yeah, Carter Williams, 20 minutes in this one, looked, uh, did not, and played in the fourth quarter, didn't look very tired. So, yeah, I mean, I think they're going to get Michael Carter Williams into this, into this lineup as soon as possible and give him minutes. We got a question here from the chat. Why didn't we see Cody Zeller on Porzingis late in the game instead of going with Dwight Howard and then Marvin Williams on the final play? 
I have a theory. I, I mean, I he was shell shocked from McQuinn. I don't know. Well, no, no. I, I think it's because Cody Zeller not a great post up defender, and I think with with the Knicks having the lead, they're late. I think if you put Cody on them, they're just gonna they're just gonna post uh, Porzingis up and, and try to shoot over over Zeller or or back him down, get physical with him, and get down low. You know, that's the one thing you say for Dwight Howard. He was active on Porzingis out on the wings, and then you know inside he was being physical. So I think that's why you go with Howard. And then I think they went with Marvin uh, on that final possession because they wanted to get Marvin on Porzingis the entire game. But once the Knicks decided to bring Cantor out, then you had to put Howard on Porzingis and let Marvin go out and guard Lance Thomas. So, I mean, credit to Hornacek, by the way. Credit to the Knicks for A, making the plays that they needed to make down the stretch, and B, Hornacek for deciding to go small in the fourth, completely change things up down 11, and it worked. I mean, the coaching victory goes to Hornacek in this one for making the adjustments necessary to win that to win that basketball game. Uh, not all bad for Malik Monk. He did have this play here. The, the he, bent, he bent this pass in mm. transition. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh, around Kyle Quinn to Marvin Williams, and Marvin Williams, athletic as ever, just playing really well right now, hitting his outside shots. Damn. He's doing well as well. But I mean, this pass, uh, I said it's showing glimpses of what could make Malik Monk a special player and get him out of the sort of Lou Williams, Jamal Crawford comparisons that you're hearing a lot of these days. Uh, if, if Malik Monk is going to be uh, uh, you know, a star <laughs> player... It's going to be because of something like that because the I think it's going to be a while before the defensive the 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 defense comes through. And a kind of a point with Monk um, and just kind of most rookies, um, we get excited when they have games like this and and whatnot. And you know, it's you see the potential that he has. Um, but for most rookies that are playing the amount of minutes that Monk is, or ones that play even more, um, they're not playing net positive basketball. I mean, Tatum, I think is the exception right now because Tatum's playing very well. And there's a couple others that are playing solid as well. Um, but even on nights when they have good, good games and monkey, if you just looked at the box score, you say, wow, he had a nice, he had a nice night. Um, it doesn't necessarily translate into wins yet. And that's just what happens with a lot of rookies entering the NBA, learning to play, learning to understand what constitutes winning basketball versus, you know, um, basketball that looks nice or maybe looks good in the stats, but doesn't necessarily translate. That play right there is fantastic. I'm not, I'm not trying to call out that play, but um, what, I guess what we're noticing, and this is kind of the, the, uh, the other side of playing a rookie like this um, is we're going to have to go through some growing pains with them. And I know that that's not as, that's not ideal when the team itself is trying to um, be in the heat, not just, not just make the playoffs, but, be a little bit more than just a team that, that makes it. So um, it's why we need guys like MKG and Batum back and healthy because otherwise, you know, this is going to get exploited a little bit more. Yeah, and Double M15 says, we are all counting down the return of Batum, but will it be too late to get everyone working together again? No. I mean, we're still really early in the season. This is not a great start. If you play the season in, in groups of, of 10, this is not a great start to that second 10 games. Uh, but they're just going to have to be in survival mode uh, through. Uh, you know, we're not sure about his about Nick Batum's status. He was targeting November fifteenth for a return. That's what he told Steph Reddy. Um, but 
I don't know if if he'll be ready by then or if the team will be ready to unleash him. I'll tell you this, uh, Steve Clifford seems confident that Nick Batum, when he is ready to return, will gel quickly and, and, and make the team better immediately as opposed to somebody that you have to kind of work in and, and figure out like they're doing with Michael Carter-Williams right now. Yeah, this this is a bad start, but we were 8-3 and three at the start last season, I think through 11 games. If, I, if I'm remembering that correctly, we had a, we had a nice record um, at this point last year. Yeah. And I think what we were 21 and 15 or something long like season. that at one point. Yeah. So long season things can and, turn around. And I think, I think if you're going to be lacking right now, given the personnel that you're missing, I mean, I'm a little encouraged by their ability to generate points in most of these games. I mean, I thought that was going to be something they would really struggle with, especially with Batum being on the sideline, not being able to get other people involved. And you've had lamb step up and score. You've had, you're starting to get nice from Malik Monk. I mean, you have to feel confident that Clifford especially can get things righted a little bit on defense. When you get MKG back, that's obviously going to help a lot. But I think if you were struggling in one area, you're you're happy in some facet to see the offense, you know, being where it, it being good enough to win some of these games. All right, let's move on to some other news. Dwight Howard went all the way back to the Attitude Era and caught a twenty-five thousand dollar fine from the league. I don't know if you guys have caught this yet. I'll put the video up for the YouTube watchers. Uh, This was in the game against Minnesota. Dwight was interacting with a fan before an inbounds and gave them the old D-Generation X gesture that late 90s pro wrestling fans will definitely remember. Uh, David, any thoughts? Uh, Who was looking out for this? I don't know. Kiki Vandaway, (laughs) Executive Vice President Uh, of Basketball uh, Operations for the NBA, gave them the... Dwight, if you've watched Dwight at any of these games, he is all about fan interaction, and he is look, just trying he's to get just, I mean, it, that, it, that guy has a story now. You know that that fan has a story uh, to tell his friends and to show a clip and just send that send that around. I wonder, yeah. is there some kind of book for all of these gestures that the NBA office has, That's like an saying. like an annotated manual with shadow figures displaying these these oh. maneuvers? Did, did Hornets gifts like was was he the narc there? Like did that that clip like make its way no, to Kiki Vandalay? And <laughs> I, no, I don't think so. I, I think, I mean, maybe you you know, look that guy. Look, we love Captain Kurt. He's got an eagle eye. Oh, I know. <laughs> but I, I know. I, who knows? Well, the thing is, he tried to do it really subtly. Like it wasn't yeah, like a, yeah, wasn't, you know, it wasn't coming from above the head. It was like just a little wrist. Just action. a little. Dit, 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 dit. Um, right. Also, can you imagine the call to Kiki Vandaway about this thing? Like, yes, sir. Yes, he he crossed his arms in an X in the vicinity of his of his of his stuff. Yeah, yeah, his his stuff. No, not the magic mascot. His his genitals, sir. He was. (laughs) It was an X. It's it's from rest. It's from pro rest. Not the Rock. No, it's from wrestling though. This sent me down a '90s wrestling internet rabbit hole. I had to go, had to go refresh myself on Degeneration X. This is from their Wikipedia page. Are you ready for this? The group's gimmick was best known as a gang of rebels who broke the rules, acted and spoke as they pleased, and wrestled whoever they wanted, no matter how provocative and insulting. Now think about that, okay? Gang of rebels broke the rules, acted and spoke as they pleased, and these were the bad guys. 
Like in politics now, that's 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 a winning strategy. <laughs> These were the people that got booed. Yeah. I guess except for last night, if you're following. Doesn't seem like that worked last night, but that's my political Speaking thing. of booing, speaking of booing, Dwight Howard caught some boos to to open up that game. Uh where did that come from? I mean, not that that's like unheard of but i didn't know he had a lot of mortal enemies in in new york am, am i misremembering something or did he maybe we're someone? just we're just blocking out nine years or ten years of dwight howard you know pissing everybody off around the league um i don't know he, he's he's been great so far so we can't complain about like his you know hey I mean, 21 20 yeah 21 and 9 last night was dominant at, at times doug um and gives them an option they just haven't had ability to throw that lob up and convert. I mean, that's that is one of the highlights of the start of the season. I think how well he's played. Well, and they're finally starting to get into into a groove with that. That took some time, but you've seen Jeremy Lamb and Kimball Walker find that timing with Dwight Kimball. Howard, and Dwight enjoys getting that look over the top for the lob or in transition. What he's not enjoying right now is not getting the ball in the post. I mean, you can see him vehemently demanding the ball in the post, and and sometimes, whether it's Frank Kaminsky or Kimball Walker or Jeremy Lamb, who have the post-entry opportunity, passing it up, and I think that frustrated him in Minnesota and, and caused him to be a little lax on defense, and I think that's a storyline you have to pay attention to uh, going forward because these post-up opportunities have just been turnover city. Yeah. And 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 teams are the thing is like teams are doubling Dwight Howard in the post, okay? But it's not because he's effective in the post. It's because that that teams have watched the tape and they know that if they send a guard down, if they dig down, that he's not going to pass out quickly and that they have a chance at a steal and a turnover. I mean, he's not, he hasn't done anything in the post to demand a double team. So it's it's definitely a storyline to watch going forward. He he doesn't he doesn't secure the ball as well as Al Jefferson did in the post. I mean, it almost was like, like you know, which is crazy because Al just would just like float the ball up with one hand, just kind of like you know, you could just you feel like you could easily snatch it away, but. Um, you know, just just to make the comparison, this is the last legitimate post player that they've had. I mean, teams constantly, constantly don't have to double team, and he rarely turned it over in the post. So it's it's interesting. I don't know if it's just where he's where he's catching it or he's posting it up. He is taking a long time with it. Um, but yeah, that that's that needs to improve a little bit um, if he if he wants to get more of those. All right, final question here from the live chat, youtube.com forward slash locked on hornets. If you want to watch us live and chat with us, Jack saying, would it be fair to say that MKG is our most valuable player after Kimball Walker, given how much the defense drops off when he sits? David, I know you have some thoughts on this. Well, four and one with him, only one and five without MKG this season. That's a bit misleading because he only played like seven minutes against uh, the Bucks uh, his last time out, but that was a win. Um, most valuable player, I mean, certainly to what this team wants to do. I mean, certainly how much Clifford values him. Um, it, it's tough in this era of, of three-point shooting and scoring to say that he's the second most valuable player. But um, when you see the lack of toughness on defense – these last couple of games without him. And just throughout his career, when he's played, they're better. I'll say yeah. this. 
uh, MKG would have been playing in that early fourth quarter period when Trevion Graham allowed Doug McDermott to hit three straight threes. Or yeah. two straight threes, think, and then Lamb gave up the third gets, one. Do you think he's going to get some run also with that with the second unit? When they get through a stretch like that, when like a Quinn is beating them up on the boards and they have a tough time showing any toughness, I mean, can you see him getting inserted in there? Because he certainly yeah. has no Well, he would be, yeah, he'd be playing with the second unit yeah. at the beginning of the fourth quarter to set the tone defensively, and ideally you'd like to have him and Dwight Howard on the floor at the same time to open up the fourth quarter because that's going to allow MKG to be more aggressive on the wing, just the same as they would open up the first quarter, and, and give the Hornets an opportunity to hold on to a lead. Yeah, And then whether you give, maybe you give Howard a, a little bit of a blow in the middle of the fourth quarter and then bring him back at the end, whatever, however that shakes out, you know, having MKG and Dwight Howard at the at the beginning of a fourth quarter would have held that lead against. I, I'm guaranteeing it; it would have held that lead against the Knicks. I'm, I mean, that's just reality. Trevion Graham was not good enough yeah. defensively on Doug McDermott. Yeah, yeah, and Trevion had a big time uh, three point. He fouled McDermott on a three, which was you can't, you just can't do that. And he's going to learn from that. I think he's a smart enough defender. But you're right, Doug. He's getting in way too much foul trouble early on in these games. Mm-hmm. You cannot do that in today's game. They're going to call anytime that shooter's in the air and you are in the like. Once that goes up, you, you almost have to back away. What I mean, I'm most, what I'm off. most upset about David and Nick is that while the Knicks were making their fourth quarter run. I was busy cutting. Uh, I was busy cutting sound from the Cheers theme song to play because I was so hyped up. Sometimes you wanna go where now it doesn't mean anything. It's not as. It's not as okay. Maybe it's still, it's still pretty good. Da, da, and they're always glad you came. That'll do it for us today, here, folks. <laughs> all right, that's all the time we have here on Locked On Hornets. Thanks so much for listening and watching us on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, give us a five star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. Thanks so much to our sponsor, Draft.com. Sign up, use our promo code L O Hornets, and follow us on the Draft app. LOH Doug, so that you can play uh, with Nick and I on the draft app. Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com. For David and Nick, I'm Doug saying, Go Hornets, go America, let's swarm. Sure.